Hey everyone, welcome back to 500's podcast. Today we're on our next episode of our Founders series. And in this series, we'll bring you current and future founders together to share their personal startup stories and offer advice to fellow entrepreneurs. Today you'll get to meet Batch 11's founder, Richard Werby. Richard loves creating things. He started building online businesses at the age of 14 and sold his first business, Stock Niche, when he was only 17 years old. He became fascinated by online places and decided to drop out of Emory University to pursue a full-time focus on developing his company called Study Pool. So, as a student dropout, he's ironically helping students. Welcome, Rich. Hey, Jess. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm glad we could finally sit down and have this interview. We've been talking about it for months it's a bit of my fault, too. We've been busy. Yeah, well, <laughs> me too. But the accelerator's over now. You have a little time to breathe. You're building your business. And I'd love for you to just jump in and tell us a little bit about Study Pool and what was the inspiration behind building this company. Yeah, definitely. Um, Study Pool is an online marketplace that connects students with specific questions with tutors that can help explain them fast. Mm -hmm. So what this really means is basically remember when you were like in high school and college and you're stuck on those tough questions like physics, like algebra. Well, we basically create a system so you can get instant help with those questions fast. Mm -hmm. um, and the main inspiration for this was really when I was a high school student and a college student, a lot of friends would always be asking me for quick help, and I wondered why there was no better place. Gotcha. So is the, um, the tutors on your platform crowdsourced from universities? Do you vet experts in, in calculus or whatever subject? How does the service work? Yeah, well, that's what's interesting about this marketplace is that we don't actually go specifically after any type of you know, tutors from universities. It's a very open marketplace. So if you have the skill set, which it turns out a ton of people in the world are very, you know, have the education, help out with algebra, mm -hmm. then you can be a tutor on study pool and effectively help students and then make money at the same time. So how, how many tutors do you have on your platform now? Um, we have over 20,000. Holy crap, that's impressive. The, <laughs> the majority are actually not in the United States. They're um, all over the world, including countries like um, India, South Africa, um, Europe, and then all, as well as the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. But the reason being is because a lot of people have this, you know, skill or, you know, utility and then they can they can use that utility to, to help students mm -hmm. on other side of the marketplace. Yeah, this might have been before your time, but I was always using Cliff Notes. Yeah. <laughs> when no, I, I got stumped on analyzing a chapter of a book, I would just or, look or at Cliff Notes. Oh yeah, Spark Notes too. But yeah, I would, you know, with calculus in high school, I'd always have to go and find a tutor to help me. And it, it wasn't as easy to even find some time to allocate towards, you know, my one-on-one -on -one sessions. So this is pretty neat. I could just log on at midnight if I had a question that stumped me and just instantly get an answer. Or how does that work? Yeah, no, it's completely on demand and within your control. Mm -hmm. And so, like you mentioned, you know, back in your day, uh, that's not something you had the... <laughs> what's so funny? Back in the day, oh my um, God, you're making me feel well, old. That's not, that's not something that students had access to. Mm -hmm. And so what we're really doing is giving them control for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, going to go find a tutor, setting up that time, only having that specific hour to, you know, to spend with that tutor is really inefficient and doesn't really help tailor 
a lot of the issues that students have along the learning process. Gotcha. So this is really a product that's rooted from the struggle that you had in university as well as high school? And Yeah, I think it's the struggle which uh, I, I, I think I more sympathized with mm -hmm. that a lot of my friends had mm -hmm. and they would you know be asking for help from me and some of my other friends and it just became apparent that like a ton of people get stuck on questions all the time mm -hmm. and it's just not efficient to spend three hours not even trying to solve them, just being frustrated. Mm -hmm. There's a certain point in the learning process where you have a question, you get frustrated, you, you figure it out. But if you get to that point where you just cannot figure it out, it's way more efficient to have someone walk you through it. And what will happen these days is like a ton of people will say that they like hate chemistry and they'll end up just dropping the subject because they remember all those long periods of times working out, not because they actually dislike the actual subject. Right. And so what has the response been from professors and teachers? Have you gotten any feedback? Do they like it? Do they hate it? Um, I, you know, we've gotten actually a lot of uh, good feedback and a lot of professors have asked if we could integrate something that's more directly between them and their students mm -hmm. um, as potential products in the future. Oh, great. And I mean, I think that's really exciting. The market's so big that there's many different things we could be doing. Great. So what is your strategy? Like, you do, do you just approach students and, you know, kind of do guerrilla marketing or do you have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you do to get in touch with students to let them know about your product? Um, okay, so as, as far as our strategy goes for, I guess that's a marketing strategy. Then. Yeah, or just in um, general, how do you reach out to students? Yeah. Did well, you learn some good distro hacks while you were at the accelerator? What, definitely. What, you know, what did you pick up? <laughs> Um, wow, this one question turned into several questions. <laughs> um, well, I think as far as just letting people become aware of our product, it, it goes through different stages. So like when we first started out, um, like out of our dorm rooms at college, it was just like this is a, a, a platform meant for students, so it's super convenient, just mm -hmm. letting our friends know about it. Word of mouth. And yeah, mm -hmm. and I think like that's having that direct access to students was really important early on because we knew exactly what they wanted and we could see how they were interacting with the product. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, you know, as time has gone by, we've really focused on making a business that is highly driven by. Uh, by students coming to us and then engaging with us and then sharing with other mm -hmm. students. More than 50% of our users come from word of mouth and referral mm -hmm. um, and or, or organic means. So we focus on that. Uh, I would say our, our strategy is more like let's make an awesome product and, and then let them, let them come to us. Mm -hmm. And then that makes other things that marketing very, you know, easy also, mm -hmm. you know, as an AdWords or, you know, pet advertising also. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what are sort of the subjects that they cover? What are these 20,000 um, tutors? <laughs> well, what do you think? Uh, I would say, you know, obviously like popular subject matters like, you know, chemistry, physics, the, the probably basic breadth of uh, courses that you take when you first get into college when you're a freshman. Yeah. Um, but I would, I'm curious to hear if there's like tutors in computer science and like really front end web ones. development yeah. or interesting programming languages that universities don't teach, but maybe they just want to pick up some. Well, we're not making up new subjects <laughs> at least, but, um, yeah, I think we have like the very, you know, obvious subjects, math, physics, chemistry for like high school. Mm -hmm. And then for college, we'll get more of the challenging things like business and finance yeah. or, or like, like orgo. Um, but so one of the really interesting things that we've seen is actually um, a lot of programming 
um, questions being posted. And what's actually happened is a subsect of our user base is actually using study pool for programming help, not even related to the school, mm-hmm. but related with their own startups or their own technical needs. Yeah. And so we've actually started to, you know, generate, it's about a few thousand people, but they're actually using it just for programming questions. Which leads into really exciting. where I was going with this question. Like this could expand beyond just university and subject matter. This could go into any kind of area well, that you want to yeah, learn. It's a completely open marketplace. Mm-hmm. So we're there for what people want to use it for. As mm-hmm. of right now, um, we're not too restrictive on what it can be used for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like this, these programming um, subsects do happen. So cool. we're actually really excited about that. We think that's very yeah. good. It's it's a very exciting time. So um, I'm just kind of curious. You were in batch 11, and I'd love to know what initially drew you to the 500 Accelerator program, and you know what has the experience been like for you over the last four months? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the reason why we decided to do 500, um, both Jimmy and I, we love building things since we were very young and uh you know we did it all throughout like middle school high school and in in the in the first part of college and we never really were part of any community because we were just kind of it was a bit too young you know we were too young Mm -hmm. and so eventually we really wanted to be part of a greater community of um, entrepreneurs and founders uh, as well as we realized that we needed access to some of the resources that uh, such a network would have. Mm-hmm. And um, 500, extremely reputable and had an extremely uh, you know, good uh, network um, you know, to share with us. Mm-hmm. So it made a lot of sense to do it. And mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it's, it was a very successful program for us. So what were some of the core things that you picked up? Okay, you got access to a great VC network, but what are some other things that you learned along the way? Yeah, um, I think it's about, there's not specific things, it's about just the mindset of, hey, I'm in college and we're going to just take this idea and make it you know, a giant business, whereas after going through the program, you go, you actually realize the mindset at different stages different levels of, oh, you need to get this amount of traction, then you need to go horizontal, then go vertical again. Understanding about, you know, how to work with people, different types of people, um, you know, marketers or, or developers, mm-hmm. um, and, and also how to manage them as founders. I think what 500 does and, uh, and, and the aim for a lot of accelerators to do is to take really ambitious people that are passionate um, about creating things and, 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 and already showing a lot of dedication towards that mm-hmm. and then actually kind of guiding them on how to get to the next stage of that um, and, and kind of opening up the, their mind, their mindset a little mm-hmm. bit to that. Well, I'm glad you had a really good experience. Yeah. It was my first batch too because <laughs> I had joined 500 in late October. So it was fun to watch you guys transition yeah. into these matured entrepreneurs and graduate on demo day. It was a fantastic experience. Um, you mentioned so your experience was good too. Then. Yeah, it was a really awesome. good experience. You guys were an awesome batch to work with. I had a lot of fun getting to know all of you. Yeah. So do you learn a lot from the accelerator also, or is it just the founders that are learning? Well, you know, I'm, I sit in on sessions here and there. I'm, I'm starting to get more immersed in the VC space. It's definitely high paced and it's changing so much all the time. So it's hard to wrap your around, head around everything all the time. But I think um, 500 does a really good job of keeping up on the trends and talking to you guys about different ways to approach you know, fundraising as well yeah. as the distro team. I think they do a phenomenal job in teaching you guys how to, you know, attract customers, keep them there. Exactly. It's a good team. Yeah. 
I think um, I think it very much has to do with trends, and that's why I said a mindset rather mm-hmm. than there's not specific things. It's more about just the way you tackle issues and you solve them mm-hmm. rather than say like, oh, if you need to do online advertising, set up this campaign on Facebook and do this and that. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's more just the approach of how you method like the methodology behind it, which mm-hmm. is really valuable uh, and that you that you pick up and. I still feel like there's a ton of stuff that I'm going to continue to learn from the 500 network. Yeah, and you will, right? You're still yeah. here hanging out. <laughs> well, I think Richard is. I think you guys are kicking me out pretty soon. Yeah, that's true. You got to get out when batch 13 starts. What is that? Mid May. Gosh, we are really, really. Uh, like, I believe it's. Fast. Uh, I think 4:20. Oh, is, is it? What, uh, oh, okay. Oh, interesting date, Sean. If you're listening in, anyway, um, <laughs> you mentioned a few minutes ago. That uh, Ida, you started your com- first company when you're 14. You're 21 now, correct? Yes. Um, what's it like being a young entrepreneur? I think you know maybe the median age is 25 when someone kicks off their first company. But is, you're is that what it is? I think that's what okay. I've heard um, on the street. But I'm curious to know what it, what it was like to be a 14, 15 year old up till now. Um, where did where did you get the spark to be an entrepreneur at age 14? Most 14 year olds are not thinking about this. Yeah, let's face um, it. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where I started young, so it's very natural, like to me. And uh, I just really wanted to just build things, and it just the internet was a really good like outlet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than anything else, like I could really think so at the time. Mm-hmm. I think the the whole space is booming. And I think I'm just the type of guy that really likes being creative and innovative mm-hmm. as much as I can. And I want to do that in an industry that's booming and exciting. So, like, if it was, like, the 1800s, I would be doing something in, like, the Industrial Revolution. Or, I don't know, if it was, like, the 1500s, I'd mm-hmm. be sailing around the world or something. Awesome. It has doesn't really have to do anything with specifically just, like, oh, I'm just, like, obsessed with the Internet. It's, I, I just am obsessed with things that are growing quickly mm-hmm. with humans expanding um, their horizons. And I want to be part of that no matter what. So. Wow. That's some, uh, that's some deep stuff, Rich. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, I just wanted to create, a, you know, some websites. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have your parents always been pretty supportive of you? I mean, you know, or were they, like, confused or like, oh, what the heck, let Rich run with this? Yeah, I don't think my parents still really know what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah. They're the most non-techie people in the world. No kidding. Okay. Um, so, but they've been very supportive. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were like totally cool with me dropping out of you know college, which I guess is a some a big deal with some people. Mm-hmm. But to to my parents, they're really laid back with that. Yeah. They helped me make the move and everything. So. Yeah, people put a and, lot and, of and I dropped out before we got into five hundred or anything. So. Oh really? Yeah, like, it's a funny. I got into five hundred a week after I dropped out. Get but out! I was one hundred percent dedicated to you know oh, I didn't studying know that. and startups. Gotcha. Yeah, before gotcha. five hundred. Yeah, you know, university is not for everyone. Some, if you have a bright idea and you want to do something on your own, you should just go after it. If that's what you're passionate well, about, I'm all for it. I like university. I just like Starbucks more. So. <laughs> well, let's say we, you attended the 500 university. Fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, kind of curious about your approach to fundraising. You you raised uh, quite a bit of money, seed money at what, $1.2 million? Yes, that is correct. Congrats. Uh, great job. Uh, Thank you're you. just like doing really well. And I... I know this is something that a lot of founders struggle with. Um, so if you could kind of highlight the first few days of fundraising and, and how you achieved this in such a short amount of time, give the founders tips, tricks, any insights, because um, they're probably listening in right now. 
Well, the first few days of fundraising, you really have no idea what you're doing. So mm -hmm. there, there's no, there's nothing to really say about that. It's like one of those things where you just need to try it, mm -hmm. and then you can kind of evaluate from trying it. I think uh, there's two aspects which um, I respected highly when I was going through the process, which was one is really listen to the market. So in my case, I was listening to basically what the Valley was telling me and what um, New York was telling me mm -hmm. and listening to the feedback I was getting from investors and then tweaking how I approached my pitch and talking to people based off of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's one strategy which I found uh, to really help uh, guide me towards the right direction mm -hmm. um, as uh, well as keeping your funnel super broad as where you could potentially, you know, connect with your capital, but also people that can help you out. Mm -hmm. And then refining that over time as you're getting more people interested and you're getting more yeses and mm -hmm. less noes. Um, I, I think it's just really important to keep a very open mind, mm -hmm. basically. Okay. Um, so it, in itself, it's, it's, it's a process of trial and error. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, as you as you go through the cycle, you basically figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, and now and now that you have all this money in the bank, you're gonna buy a lot of backwards caps. What are you gonna do with it? <laughs> they they can't see me, so I don't I think know. they're gonna understand. They will though, because there's a means. picture that's gonna be attached there's to the podcast. Link. I usually don't take too many pictures with the cap on. All right, we'll we'll put a I don't know a picture of Sean or something. On there. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, what are you going to, well, what's I think the first step? Like, the number one reason do? why you fundraise is to accelerate your growth. Mm -hmm. um, to accelerate our growth, we need to build a team to support that. So um, we definitely want to bring in a, you know, a high-level team, people that uh, really we really feel like um, fit the mission and uh, the culture of our business. Mm -hmm. And so right now we're working on that process. Um, as I think you noted, it's... You know, it's been Jimmy and I building things out of our dorm rooms. Mm -hmm. um, so now it's like super excited to be working with some of the talented people that we have. And we're really excited about some of the, the new guys we brought on board uh, recently. Congrats. So you mentioned that the team members have to really believe in the mission. What is your vision and mission for this company long term? Yeah, I think it's really about giving students control on how they learn. Mm -hmm. And I think what this means is that right now the education system is set up where it's very structured and it's basically like you fit the education system, the education system doesn't fit you. Mm -hmm. And what we really want to do and what we're really passionate about is making it so it's the student that gets to choose how they want to learn mm -hmm. and what's efficient for them. Got it. No, that's a, it's a really great mission. I think oftentimes you know, schools and universities neglect the fact that people approach education much differently from the next. You know, we learn in different ways. We uh, might learn more visually than others. You never know. Like, for me, um, I was really lucky to have great courses in high school and in university. I had super strong mentors. Um, but that's not the case for everyone. You know, some people really struggle. And I feel like, yeah, even back in like 2002 when I graduated high school, were you even born then? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, I was, I was alive in 2002. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was thinking there were so many uh, students I could see around me just struggling, like hitting a wall, 
Um, you know, so many people kind of drop out from yeah. learning and education, but not because they don't like learning or education. It's because they feel defeated. Yeah, right? they feel yeah. like they got beat in something where there is no, there shouldn't be any losing in education. Mm-hmm. And, and I, sh- I think the system makes you feel like you lose. Right. When that shouldn't, there's like learning is just learning. There's no winning or losing. Right. And I think the whole way that it's set up, even like in kindergarten, you're getting evaluated. Like that's crazy. I know the whole standardized like, like, test. What is it like? And, you get evaluated yeah. on like playtime, and like they'll tell your parents <laughs> it's. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, no, there's extreme pressure, and I'm sure you're going to see this when you launch your product into different countries. But when I was living in Korea, I got to see how Korean students study, and um, immense pressure. They have to go to class for seven hours, then they have to go to the English school they call Hagwon for two hours. Then they meet their math tutor one day, their science tutor the next. These kids then finish their homework around midnight, go to bed, start all over again. No way. How old, are, how old are they? This starts at a very young age, as young as like probably sixth, seventh grade. Yeah, it's nuts. But a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll have tutors, but they'll meet one on one. So this is kind of interesting that they could kind of on, you know, go online and work with someone. Maybe they don't have to like travel cross Seoul to get to their tutor, whereas they can just plug in and go for it. Like, what? Where are some um, countries that you're excited to launch into? Have you thought about? you know, outside of the States yet, or are you just focused on really getting the U.S. market under your belt first? Right now, we're really focused on getting the U.S. market under our belt. Mm -hmm. As far as going to other countries, because our marketplace is completely open, we already have people using it from other countries. What countries? You did mention this at the beginning. Yeah, a lot of the ones I mentioned at the beginning like South Africa, you know, Pakistan, India, but we also will have people using it in from like France or like, mm. you know, they'll be, they'll be speaking, you know, French with it mm-hmm. because they'll connect with another tutor that's also French and then they'll just be like, oh, we'll use this in French. And so because we just kept it completely open, it's just like anything else. It's just like a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And so as the tool gets more populated or popular, then uh, it you know it gets expanded into other countries naturally, mm-hmm. but I think um, we are really excited by some of the trends we've seen in Asia, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in, in places like China uh, and Korea, like the way you described. Mm-hmm. And one because of the current structure they have right now in the education system, but two is just the mindset of working with tutors is um, you know it's a very it's very accepted and something that you just do there. It's commonly practiced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so a lot, a lot. It's very fitting for them to use a um, platform like Study Pool. Awesome. So you know, kind of going more um, into your like, you know, what what goes on in Rich's head. I'm curious to know. That's a good question. <laughs> what's happening? Um, you know, do you have like kind of a mission or mantra you live by, or do you have, you know? a way that you work and operate, what keeps you going? Because uh, this is not an in- easy industry to break into, let alone starting a company is extremely challenging. So like, what's what's something that keeps you going? Wow, there's so many ways you can answer this question. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that keeps, um, I'll, I'll say, just me excited, mm-hmm. and I think I'm speaking for uh, my co-founder, Jimmy, as well, is that we're, we've always been extremely excited 
about um, information and how to make it more efficient mm -hmm. uh, in any shape or form. And the reason being um, is that whenever information becomes more efficient, you see a boom in society. And just think about that. Like what happened, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm wrong, but like, you know, 30,000 years ago when, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, um, speaking and, and language became invented, right? Like that tool, mm -hmm. you saw a boom in society then. Mm -hmm. um, because all of, a, all of a sudden you could transfer information much more efficiently. And then, you know, once again, what happened in the Industrial Revolution, well, like the printing press came out, mm -hmm. and that was another form of information, mm -hmm. which uh, made it even more efficient to transfer, you know, different processes for, um, you, know, do, you know, doing things in industry and, and whatnot. And then more recently, something that we can all relate to is what happened in, in 2000 with the internet boom. Mm -hmm. and, and look at what's going on in society right now. I mean, it's, it's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we've always identified that if you can make information more efficient, you're really doing a really good service to society. Mm -hmm. And so um, Jimmy and I have always been really excited by the possibilities there. And um, we think that uh, one facet of doing that is creating marketplaces that incentivize um, information transfer mm -hmm. in ways that aren't possible without those incentive structures. Mm -hmm. oh, that's fantastic. Um, there's a great quote I read the other day. In 2015, Uber, the world's largest tax company, owns no vehicles. Facebook, the world's most popular media owner, creates no content. Alibaba, the most valuable retailer, has no inventory. And Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. Wow, that's fantastic. It's a great quote, right? I don't know where it comes from, but it popped up somewhere on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's like amazing. I mean, because yeah. in reality they're just they're just tools. Yeah. Nothing more. It's a new economy, it's a new age, and you're gonna be a part of this whole ride, which is really exciting. Yeah. Right? Is there anyone else doing something like this in your space? Um there's there's a lot of people that are testing out, you know, marketplaces and, and, and how to make them make things more efficient in the online space. Um, in the education space, um, I, th I think there's people doing very interesting things um, like uh, like Course Hero mm -hmm. um, or like uh, Udemy. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think there's still a lot of a, a lot a lot of it to be explored. Oh, um, it, so it, much it, opportunity it, out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it really feels like kind of like the I don't know, like the new frontier mm -hmm. because there, there's just so many ways you can expand this out and there's there's definitely people doing it, mm -hmm. um, really smart people, but there's just so much space for expansion that it feels like you can really stretch out to your arms right now. Yeah, absolutely. I used to work at General Assembly, education oh, okay. company that, you know, they're taking right. their classes online as well because there's a lot out there. There's Coursera, like you said, Udemy, but it's neat that I could just drop knowledge anywhere I want at any time and there could be like 50 people that'll purchase my class and want to learn yeah and I, I just purchased a class uh, a photoshop class so it's a skill I've always wanted to learn never had the chance to but now I can yeah so I'm going to over the weekend <laughs> yeah that's awesome um I, I mean I think it's sometimes easy to forget how big the education market is yeah. but the education market is absolutely massive mm-hmm um, and it, there's, there's so many different shapes and forms of, of learning and education. I, I think uh, Udemy is a really good example of different types of learning there are. Definitely. So who do you admire in your field? 
I, I feel like we all aspire and, and look up to at least one or two people. Do you have someone that you really respect? Well, I think from my perspective, um, there, I would say I, I admire specific companies more than I do at individuals at this point. Mm -hmm. But I really like um, some of the newer marketplaces like Uber. Mm -hmm. um, the way they're using uh, marketplace functionality to solve um, different problems in society um, and using incentive, incentive structures to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you think about the idea of Uber, it's completely crazy if you just think about it. Like you're gonna get to a stranger's car, they're gonna pick you up mm -hmm. and they're gonna do it in an efficient way. Um, that's like a huge barrier. But if you actually think about it, all the incentives there um, from like, you know, the individual incentive from like the person that wants to get, get uh, you know, get the ride and the person that wants to drive. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that it's it, it's super creative. And I think that's that's really exciting about um, Uber. But also I, I extremely think, challenging. It's, it, it's extremely yeah. challenging. Um, but I also think it, it makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. I think it, I think it's really like really just raw innovation. Um, it's really listening to, um, you know, your customers. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. I, I think Airbnb is really interesting as well. So. Yeah. I was just in Miami last week for our pre-money conference, and yeah. I got into Uber, and the, the gentleman driving offered me a Heineken. <laughs> He's like, I always serve my yeah. um, my passengers beer. I was like, this is awesome. And then the other day, I noticed in San Francisco, there's karaoke Uber. You can actually have so fun awesome. and sing in the back seat with your friends on the way to like the next party. It's so perfect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but um, no, it's, it's, it's exciting like, times. It's, a, yeah. it's like a totally crazy idea. And mm -hmm. like, I feel like if Uber hadn't existed and someone just told me that idea, I would just be like, that's insane. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can never trust a stranger like that. Right. And, you know, people are way too variable, you know. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine things like karaoke or someone handing you a beer. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes a lot of sense now. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's really what I think being innovative and also using marketplaces, um, you know, marketplaces are about making things efficient. I think they've done a really good job with that. Yeah, that's good. So, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of the successes you've had, but can you tell me an experience where at the time you felt like you just failed? And like looking back, how you kind of transformed that into a positive learning experience? Because let's face it, a lot of founders fail, right? And you know, you hit a lot of roadblocks on the way to building a company. Can you maybe highlight one, one defeating uh, this moment? Is, this is going to be such a boring answer to this question, to be honest. <laughs> Try to make it as interesting as um, you can. <laughs> yeah, but it's still going to be boring. Um, I think I can't say that there's one, like, point of just pure failure. Mm -hmm. I think the whole process of doing a startup is... I think Dave McClure says this is like learning to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, Absolutely. like, I think one one really good example of this is um, we're always creating um, like products, always trying different versions of things, and it's always very disappointing when you hack something out for like two weeks, three weeks straight, and then it doesn't go the way you want to. Mm -hmm. And so that, like, I think that's not one specific instance. That's just the process that we've faced over. Um, you know the, the the process of creating the startup, and I think uh, like being able to look at that, evaluate it for what it is, and then learning how to do it better the next time, how to um, have a better um, process in place so that 
perhaps you won't make the same mistakes again mm -hmm. is what you learn out of out of that situation yeah and it's i think it's a mindset right it's something that i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs in previous batches start to learn and accept and not get defeated and not think about being perfect all the time and striving for perfection because you are going to screw up yeah that you're right it's absolutely part of the learning process so people shouldn't get too too down on themselves if it doesn't always work out the first time around it probably will if you continue to push hard and and figure out how it will pan out um, yeah. Can you give like, I mean, was there one example? Like, did, did you ever have any issues fundraising or uh, nothing? Okay, you, smooth sailing um, for you. <laughs> I think but, I, I think one really good example of this, um, and it's actually something that I see with lot, a lot of people um, that do startups for the first time is they have like a huge vision. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm going to change the world you know, for us is, you know, because we're going to make every like all types of information more efficient. Mm -hmm. And we want to do everything like, you know, we want to do it for, you know, uh, you know, car help, like, you know, putting you in touch with mechanics on demand or mm -hmm. we want to do it with, uh, you know, legal advice, all these things. And it was just so exciting. And that's really that's what it should be like. Like you should start your startup on the basis that like you're really excited about a really big vision. Mm -hmm. But it's really easy to get carried away and want to do too many things mm -hmm. um, where it's, that's basically impossible. Um, and it's a much better mythology to take that really big vision, bring it down to one concept, one idea um, for like one specific market. For us, it was education. And then really focus on that and, and hone all your energy and skills into that. And, uh, you know, really build up the traction there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a learning experience for us because initially we, we did start, we started off by trying to do a, way too many things than we should have and mm -hmm. it was just impossible to manage. See, that's a great answer, Rich. It's not boring at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you one last question. Do you have any advice you could offer a founder who might be uh, applying to join the 500 accelerator or uh, or one that got accepted in and how they can best you know use that experience yeah um, don't be afraid to reach out for help mm -hmm. um, I think that's extremely extremely important there's so much uh, value um, from the 500 network but also just in the valley um, I mean this is the pinnacle of the tech scene in the world and uh, so many people uh, with in this area are happy to talk to you if you reach out mm -hmm. and 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 they're not just happy they're enthusiastic um, and so to really get the most value out of out of 500 really just feel totally comfortable to reach out to anyone in the network for for any any reason whatsoever and just make that connection Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I still feel like there's still a plethora of knowledge and resources I haven't even had time to, to tap into yet. And I, I hope that you guys will still be open to me of course <laughs> reaching out will. over time. Yeah, of course, but, Rich. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely say like when you come to 500, and I, I hope we did a good enough job of this, but I don't know, but just be very open. Don't be closed off and just working on your product. Just mm -hmm. talk to everyone get to know people really well, um, the 500 team, but also other founders. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's something I found that whenever I did that, it, it would be very helpful for me and it still is very helpful, um, you know, for, for me and the company. Yeah, you'll, you'll always be part of the 500 family.
and so will all oh. the other founders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel very tight knit, and um, it's a great network. I'm not gonna lie; I've only been a part <laughs> of this roller coaster for five months, but I feel like I've met over 200 founders now. It's such a short amount of time. They're coming and going, they're teaching, they're mentoring, they're connecting. So it's, I guess that's the beauty of being a part of this whole crazy experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's not just the accelerator. It's really the like building up the network. Mm-hmm. When I first came here, it was just like the biggest fresh, like breath of fresh air because, mm-hmm. we're, you know, being in college and I just was not getting exposed to anything. Yeah. Um, like this yeah well i'm glad you dropped out rich and you joined us (laughs) yeah and thank you so much for um being part of this podcast and if anyone out there needs some help with their chemistry or their finance classes they should check out study pool it's www.studypool.com yeah and what's your twitter handle at study pool Okay, at Study Pool. Awesome. I hope you come back in a few years, Rich, and we can have a retrospective and see where you're at. Awesome. Always like chatting, Gus. Likewise. All right. Peace out. Bye.